Now, the reason why we're here, the clerks, um, you know, thanks for taking the time today. You know, Proverbs 16.9 says, a man hearts plans his way, but the Lord establishes steps. And I think that's so true in your life as you came to Cedarville. How did the Lord lead you to Cedarville so many years ago? Well, I guess I'm supposed to start. I was just wondering if my mic was on. It definitely is. Okay. Our start's way back when we were in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And yeah, shout out to Fort Wayne. Um, We had a a daughter who was a junior in high school. And at that point, alumni students were encouraged to let their children come for what was called summer studies at that time. I think we still have it. It's called summer scholars now. Yeah. And so we wanted her to be a part of that. It was a program where she would come for a month in the summer. I think it was the month of June. And she would take courses that would count in her gen eds. So she took a Bible class and she took, at that point, we made everybody in gen ed take a one hour computer class because computers were taken off and there was a lot to learn. And that was very helpful for her classroom. So she said, yeah, I wanna go. And so we brought her down and she came here. And there was about 20 or 30 students and she bonded with them quickly. Quickly, she uh, made good friends, had a core group. They went to classes together. They did lots of fun things through student life that organized that. And I think it was Jeff Bestie who was in charge of that at that time. And um, so she came back all excited about coming to Cedarville. There was one problem. We couldn't afford Cedarville. I was teaching in Christian ed. We were uh, making a living. We were not sustained enough to pay Cedarville tuition. And so she came back all excited and said, I'm applying. I want to go there. I feel God directing me there. We immediately started praying about that, especially about finances. And we wanted her to be here so badly. And we wanted her to experience what we had as students. And we wanted her to be able to be where God wanted her. And so we prayed. Now that was June. The group of students that were at summer studies decided they would come back to the campus for Little Sibs weekend and go to a basketball game, which is coming up in a couple weeks here, I think. And so she said, can we go? And we said, of course. And so um, it was my habit in the fall, almost every year as an alumni, to bring my high school volleyball team down here to see the campus, to be exposed to the college level of volleyball and what it took to play at this level. And so it was very common for me to be on campus and uh, we wanted to be back on campus as well. And every time I came back to campus, I made contact with some of my professors and coaches and so forth. The week before we were coming to Little Sibs, I was teaching at Blackhawk Christian School. I was a kindergarten teacher at that time and the high school volleyball coach. We had a parent group that came together every Tuesday morning and prayed over prayer requests for our students. We as teachers submitted prayer requests. I always did professional requests, never personal. That week, I did personal. And I simply wrote college tuition. That's it. I still remember bending down on my knees, zipping up a coat of a kindergarten student for outdoor recess. When the leader of that group came to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, God will provide. That's all she said, and off she went. I said, I needed that reminder. That was Tuesday. We came to Little Sibs weekend on Saturday, and we came to the basketball game, and 
As we were working our way out down the bleachers, Coach Elvin King was at the bottom of the bleachers. He was one of my professors and one that I always made contact with when I came back to campus. He said, I need you to come with me. I said, okay, thinking, oh, this is the way it goes with Coach King. And he takes me into Dr. Don Callen's office and he says these words, which freaked me out. This is the person we were talking about, about being the head volleyball coach. Remember when we were together on Tuesday? And I froze. I can't even remember what they said after that. I'm like, what is happening? At the end of that conversation, Dr. Callen said, we need a head volleyball coach and you have been talked about. I need you to apply. I said, let me think and pray over that. And walked out of there and told my husband what was going on. At that point... Kind of rocked my world because... I loved living in Fort Wayne. We'd been there since graduation, 22 years. Had moved to a house that was within walking distance of our church and school, Blackhawk. Just a a great place to settle in. We had raised our kids mostly through high school at that point in time. So I'm thinking, why? What, what, What would we go back to Cedarville for? So that weekend, which is 28 years ago, this coming February, We spent the weekend and attended Grace Baptist where Pastor David Graham was the pastor. He was my former high school Bible teacher and soccer coach back in Cleveland 25 years previous. His message that morning, how to know the will of God in your life. I'm thinking, well, I've heard this numerous times, these messages, but wait a minute. I just heard that something might be changing. So he gave some tips for people to realize how to determine the will of God. Read scripture, ask for prayers, look for wisdom from those that you would see as a mentor. I'm thinking through as I'm listening to the sermon, and he was one of my favorite, favorite high school teachers. At the end of the service, I went up to him and said, Pastor Graham, I just want to ask you to pray for our family. We have a decision possibly coming up. We had no idea for sure where it was going, but he graciously accepted and said he would uh, pray for us and then uh, we just left it at that and then we went on. So I went through the application process. That is no small feat. And after I worked through that and I mailed it back to Cedarville, I got a call to come on campus for an interview. Now at that point, Uh, We had four levels of interviews before you were hired at Cedarville. So this was the first level of pretty much nonchalant. Here's our facilities, meeting people, but you didn't get into doctrinal discussions and so forth like the application process. And so I came down, we did that, I went back home. They asked me to come back for the second interview. I came back for the second one, and I was talking to Dr. Callen, and now we were getting more intentional about my philosophy of coaching and other things. And in that discussion, when I was done, he said, did you have any questions? And I said, I do want to say one thing. And he said, what's that? And I said, I, I don't make the decisions for what my family does. My husband does. He's in charge. And so this is really up to him if he thinks this is what our family needs to do, if this is in the will of the Lord. And so um, you really need to start talking to him instead of me. And he said, well, isn't that refreshing? (laughs) And I said, well, I think that's what the Bible says. And so third interview, Jim's along. 
I was then at this point, I was going to the next level, which meant talking to the academic vice president, talking to the dean of the School of Education, talking to Dr. Um, Paul Dixon, who was the president at that time, and now it was much more about doctoral statements and, and so forth. While I'm in that, and I felt very intimidated, but while I am in that interview process, Dr. Callan was meeting with Jim. He's a man I greatly respect. You may or may not know him. He's been here for 50 some years, Dr. Don Callan. In his wisdom, as I was still like working through all of this, not thinking like, I really don't think this is gonna be a good move for our family. Um, he got a hold of me while we were in town and said, I need to take you for a cup of coffee. Okay, that's cool. Well, in our discussion, uh, just listening to his wisdom and sharing about life in general and about how to work your way through decisions and that type of thing, he made a statement that just hit me like, oh boy. Sometimes you have to take a step of faith. That was exactly what God had wanted him to say to me. And it was exactly what I needed to hear because up to this point, I'm thinking, this isn't, this isn't gonna be a thing that we're gonna do. So just, we're gonna just go through it and then we'll be done with it. So the fourth and final interview process is with the board of trustees. So we came down together for that. Dr. Dwayne Wood took Jim aside to talk with him while I was um, with the board of trustees in a group around a table. And right before that, interview, Jim says to me, 95% we're not doing this. I said, okay, good to know. I walked in there so relaxed, I don't want this job. I'm not taking this job. All pressure off. I have no idea how I came across in that meeting. But when I walked in, there were three people at that table that I knew personally. I didn't even know they were trustees. That was fun. And so we just started chatting personally. And then they started asking questions. I answered them. I left. And, and uh, the person that was in charge of taking me around that day looked at me and said, that was interesting. Now, I don't know if that was good or bad, but that's what he said to me. I said, okay. So then we meet up and then Jim says to me, I think the Lord is leading us here. And I went, I think I just blew it. Well, obviously you did very well in the interview because <laughs> here we are 28 years later. Uh, Teresa, talk about uh, your experiences at coaching volleyball, some of the things that, that uh, God allowed to happen through that team, uh, really to honor him and, and really bring uh, honor, honor to Christ. So as you've heard, I was the head volleyball coach. That's really why they brought me here, but I've been a faculty member the whole time. And so I was teaching and coaching at that time. And so for the first 10 years of our 28 years here, um, I had that position. We decided as a volleyball program and the players were very actively involved in this decision that we wanted to use the platform of volleyball very intentionally to share the gospel. This is the talent that God has given you. We wanted to be competitive, to earn the respect, to open our mouths to share the gospel. If you're a blow off team, not sure I wanna hear what you have to say. So we worked hard to get it done on the court, but our intention was to share the gospel. One of the ways that the Lord opened lots of doors in volleyball was the honor call. Now the honor call is uh, you touch the ball, the official doesn't call the touch, nobody, the line judge doesn't call the touch, you're the only one and the players get all the credit for this. You're the only one that knows if you touched it or not, it's not called. That you say, I touched that. And you tell the official, I touched that. 
Now, a touch, ball in, a touch call in volleyball means the opponent gets a point and the ball to serve. That's hard to do. And so again, volleyball players get all the credit. I don't know if they touched it or not. But because of that, they were being honest, which was more important than the actual game. That opened so many doors to share the gospel. I'm gonna share just a couple. I could keep you here all day, but I'll just share a couple. One of the first ones was um, when we went to a tournament at Huntington College in Indiana. I did my high school coaching in Indiana, and there was an official that walked in the door to officiate our match who had officiated some of my high school matches. So it was kind of a little reunion. I had no idea he was going to be there, and we started talking, and, oh, I, I see you're at Cedarville now, blah, blah, blah. So after that, we played, and during the match that he officiated, we had an honor call. When the match was done, he came over to me, and he said, tell me about that. I said, about the honor call? He said, yes, I've never seen that. And I said, well, she touched the ball. She's just being honest. She's being honest because, and I was able to share the gospel and the reason why we do the honor call. And in tears, he looked at me and he said, I'm a believer and you wouldn't believe that because of my lifestyle. But right now, I'm giving my life back to Christ. And I was able to pray with him. One year I received a phone call. I don't remember the name of the person. I had never heard of them before. And they said, you have been nominated for an award. Your team has been recognized for something that you're doing in Ohio called an honor call. Could you tell me about that? I said, I'd love to. Again, shared the whole reason why Cedarville Volleyball makes honor calls. And he said, well, I'm going to submit what you just told me to a committee. They pick one coach in the NAIA for the nation for this award. It's called the National Sportsmanship Award. And we have one from every, every level of sports. There's one for professional sports. There's one for high school. There's one for college. We do all three divisions in, um, in the NCAA, and we do one for the NAIA. He called me back in a week or two and said, you unanimously were, were picked to be the honor, honored for that award. And um, I didn't even know the award existed. I don't know who nominated, but at that point it was so fun. And we, were, we went on a trip to St. Louis where there was this huge big deal and they brought the candidates up and so forth. Bob Costas, I don't know if you know who he is. He was the MC, and he greeted each one of us and so forth. All that to say, he asked me in the, my interview with him, tell me about this honor call. Do you see what God's doing? Faithful in little things, he's making big deals out of them. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel at this place during that interview. I had a high school coach come up to me and said, thank you for doing that. They didn't ask me that question, but I'm a believer. But I'm gonna go back and start doing the honor call. You see God at work? We have our plan God has his purpose. I'll, I'll just share one more thing and then we're gonna talk about our mission trip. Our very last season that we were coaching, we were at the national tournament, which is a big deal, and we had pool play. And so we were playing really, really hard and, and uh, we had a player that made an honor call throughout the tournament. 
And while we were making that honor call, um, after we were done, one of the officials came over and said, why are you doing that? It's hurting your team. I said, well, first of all, I'm not doing it, the players are, but we are all about a mission. We're from Cedarville University and here's our mission. And it is to make sure that we are honest in all things because the Bible tells us to be and then went on into a conversation. And the official says, that's interesting. At the end of that tournament, they give one team what they call the Sportsman Team of the Tournament Award. I didn't even know the award existed. And at the end of the tournament, you know how they give the um, trophies to the first place, second place, all that good stuff. They brought us to the platform and they had us get the award for the Sportsman uh, Team of the Year for the national tournament. And the officials gave us a standing ovation. That's got to work, giving us a platform big enough to share the gospel. We did mission trips. We did lots of mission trips. And that was on purpose to share the gospel with volleyball teams in other countries. And I can't tell you how much that changes your heart and your perspective. If you have not been on a mission trip, please go on a mission trip and share your faith. And Jim has a great story about that. Teresa had taken volleyball teams on seven mission trips, but the uh, schedule didn't work out. I finally was able to go in 2003 to Costa Rica with the volleyball team. As we prepared and prayed about that missions trip, we both talked about a verse, and I, I used it as our verse for the trip. And actually, when we got to Costa Rica, every day we would read this verse with the team. It was Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. That was a key verse, and as we continued our trip, one of the most amazing things that happened to me was our team would walk down to the town square in the city where we were staying, and they would gather and sing uh, choruses and share the gospel, talk about the Powerball, which is there that we use to share the gospel. And I was just kind of looking around, just kind of looking at the folks that were gathering from the city there, and it was one of those divine moments where this lady sitting on the curb, I just looked over, and it was something in her eyes that I just saw please come talk to me. Of course, Spanish speaking, but I felt led of the spirit to go over and talk to this young lady and, and I needed some help with the Spanish. So I called over the missionary to do some translation and basically said, would you like to talk? Yes. Would you like to become a Christian? Yes. And so I was able to lead this lady to the Lord with the help of the, the missionary interpreter. Her name was Lucy. And it was just one of the most incredible experiences really in my lifetime. When we went back to Costa Rica on another trip, two years later, the missionaries had done a great job of following up with their converts and those that had been led to the Lord. I asked about Lucy. They said, she's doing great. Would you like to meet her? They took me to her. Here she is. I was able to just connect with this lady, totally transformed from a homeless person down in the town square to a believer living for the Lord doing great things in Costa Rica. It was just one of those things that I will never, ever forget. Yeah, that's great. I think, 
I think something that speaks so well of your impact with students and your time here at Cedarville is the is your fit to be tied participation. I think it's amazing the number of weddings that you all have attended. Um, I think that's just uh, just a great indication of of how you are impacting students right here on campus. So talk to talk to us about how the fit to be tied experiences is really impacted your time here. And number of weddings um, that, that you guys have attended, and maybe. Jim, maybe some interesting experiences from, from your... Hang on, let's, let's be serious first, you know, okay. Um, we enjoy the Fit to be Tied program. In our time, especially our first 20 years here, we probably did at least 30, maybe 40 couples, sometimes two in a semester. Uh, sometimes we would skip a year depending on our schedules, but it's one of the most incredible programs to invest in the lives of engaged couples. That ultimately led not only to the fit to be tied couples, but to the volleyball players, former volleyball players, kids of our peers that were getting married. Well, we became prof professional wedding attenders. One summer, 13 weddings. One day in that summer, three weddings in one day. It's like, this can't continue. Anyways, um, to transition, Chris, you might want to hear this story. I was known as, first of all, Mr. Coach amongst the volleyball players. Secondly, it became MC. Well, that all transitioned to MC the Dance Machine. <laughs> One of our trips to New York at Niagara Falls, we stopped at a place to eat, and for some reason, this place had a platform, and they were having, like, come up and be the dancer of the day or something. So the team dragged me up there to the platform. I am not a dancer. And before I know it, I'm up there doing this dance with all the other servers and the waitresses. It was to the YMCA song, Village People. Anyways, that transition to, I get requests all the time from volleyball players, would you do that song at my wedding reception? So there you go, I made a t-shirt, you know, I'm sitting at the reception, all of a sudden my song will play, I'll get up and do my thing. So I've had numerous performances, Chris. Do, do you still have that t-shirt? Of course I do. We, 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 we need to see that t-shirt in the office. There's no doubt. Jim, you know, Jim's probably one of the most reserved guys in our office. Like he's, he's pretty put, well put together, uh, pretty low key. Um, so th this, when I first heard this years ago, I was shocked by this. I really, it's totally out of character. And I just learned right before this that there's another bit of information that, that shows just how, just your, your spirit did you do something fun for a birthday one time? I did. Wait, is there people here listening to this? There may be a couple watching? of people. It's just us and John Wood. Okay. Just Dr. Wood. Um, I'm 70. On my 50th birthday, I'm a pastor's kid from the generation very, very strict and conservative. Well, on my 50th birthday, I'm thinking, you know, do I want to jump out of an airplane or do something really crazy? Or maybe a tattoo would be good. So... One of the volleyball players, very artistic, her name was Paula. As we started talking about this on my 50th birthday, I took the design to Springfield, handed it to the guy, and was able to get a tattoo that really exemplifies my whole life. It's the fish, a cross, initials of our kids, my initials, Teresa's initials, so it was just kind of a cool thing. And I've used it numerous times, believe it or not, especially when I'm wearing shorts, to uh, someone ask me about it, I can share what that's all about. That's really challenging. I, I may have a similar birthday coming up soon, so maybe I need to consider. <laughs> Dr. White, are you listening to this? <laughs> Anyhow. 
Jim, uh, we've heard about Teresa's experience just real briefly here in the few minutes we have remaining. Uh, talk about some of your experiences as an admissions counselor and then sports information uh, communicator here at Cedarville. Yes, well, going back to the story, when it all transpired, my first six months, once we had come to Cedarville to start working here back in 96, I really did for the late, great Dr. Dwayne Wood some special project, projects for him for my first six months or so, just kind of hanging on. Um, eventually, just six months later, though, an admissions counselor position opened up, and I was able to uh, do that for five and a half years. I loved it. I loved working with prospective students and their parents. We had just gone through that process with our daughter to how to find a, a place to attend college or university. So it was one of the most enjoyable times. Um, great people to work with. I learned so much in that job. But after five and a half plus years, again, the names of Dr. Kell and Dr. Wood were putting some things together and they approached me with the, the opportunity to be the assistant sports information director uh, with Mark Womack, who is our SID, and I just really jumped at it. I really had not really thought about it, but it was something that attracted my attention. I love sports, and to do it here in a Christian athlete environment uh, was just something really special, and I've been doing that now for the last 22 years. That's great. Do such a wonderful job just representing our student athletes well. All the some of the social media stuff that, that that is out there on our, our uh, on our athletic teams is, is comes out of your office, and we're just thankful that you represent our students well and, and put them out there. Um, so, how's it been serving together for 28 years at Cedarville? I think it's been pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, my first 22 years of married life, I worked in the secular business field of publishing, journalism, marketing, while Teresa taught in Christian education. And it was something I enjoyed. I loved being, having opportunities to share the gospel. But when this came about, like, we could be together serving the Lord at a special place and just always on the same page, same type of ministry focus and doing things together. And I think there's just been so many experiences that have just been so valuable and so lovely and wonderful to share together here. Yeah, one thing that uh, Teresa has done Coach Clark, um, you know, she, she's our faculty athletic representative, which is kind of an intermediary for our student athletes to talk to their faculty about some challenges. But uh, through the NCAA, that has led her to a really prestigious position there on, on the NCAA Division II Management Council, which kind of runs Division II athletics at the NCAA level. And, and Teresa was involved for the last six years, five years, uh, on that management council, really directing the, the future of NCAA Division II. Talk about your experiences there and some, some things that you uh, you really were, were able to be involved with? Well, I'm going to give you a little background with that in that um, as the FAR, I love that role because it keeps me connected to athletics and I understand the pressure of the academic world and certainly of the athletic world with the coaching experience. Um, I was actually in an athletic meeting and um, at that time, Dr. Alan Geist was the AD, and he, in that meeting, mentioned we have two openings. One is for the SWA, and one is for the FAR. And the, the spirit just moved like, oh, you need to look into that. I, I'm a seven-year itch girl. I need a new challenge. And it was at a point I was... I had retired from coaching and I was the chaplain for the women's basketball team for several years and I just needed a new challenge. I went up to him and I said, he's like, I, I think you would be a great SWA. I said, I love teaching. I got to stay in the classroom, but I might be interested in the FAR. And he went, oh, that's a perfect blend. The next thing I know, I'm at regional rules meetings to learn how to do this job. 
So I did that job and I love that job. I was at the GMAC conference as the FAR, I attend meetings and I was on a lot of committees because of that, but I loved that work. At one of the meetings at the GMAC conference meeting, they said, we need to have a representative at the management council. We need to pick an FAR, an AD, and um, an SWA, and then you apply, and then the management council decides. And so um, Tom Dager said, you might be interested in doing that. And I said, hmm, I don't know. Let me think about that. That meant a little bit of traveling, a lot of missed classes and so forth. I was sitting in chapel one day and Dr. White was preaching and um, he was preaching through um, how we should be intentionally sharing the gospel. He brought up Matthew 28 where it talks about go and make disciples. And he made this statement, look at your life. If there's nothing in your life where you're rubbing shoulders with unbelievers, you need to examine what you're doing. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I looked at it and I said, I'm doing nothing. I, I, I'm here with students. I go to church. I'm here with students. I go to church. There's nothing in my life intentionally with unbelievers. Now, the president has to sign off if you are on management council because you're missing classes and so forth. So I went to Dr. White and I said, I think I'm supposed to do this and here's why. I need to be with unbelievers. And he said, where's the paper? And he signed it right after chapel. And he said, go be a light. So <laughs> now management council has to decide if you're gonna be on that or not. And I got a call saying, we would like to invite you to be a part of management council. And so as a part of that, we look at policy and changes and so forth, but it has been an incredible opportunity in a dark world to be a flicker. But here's what I learned. I was not the only one around the table that had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God has Daniels everywhere. Look for the opportunities to be that Daniel. And I think the NCAA kind of gets beat up on, uh, sometimes rightly so. Uh, but there are a lot of good folks out there really trying to represent Christ. And I think I, I've heard from some, some stories from ADs and other administrators. Uh, from your time serving on Management Council, what a wonderful representation you were uh, on, on that committee and, and serving Cedarville very well. Well, it looks like we're just, we're out of time. So thanks for your, uh, for your sharing your story. Uh, hopefully the students, you guys were encouraged uh, just hearing from them. Uh, so why don't we close in prayer and have the worship come out, worship team come out and, and uh, sing a song that really impacted you guys and really speaks to kind of your life and, and what you guys really are all about. So allow me to pray for us. Lord, we are so thankful uh, for the opportunity to serve here at Cedarville. Lord, and I'm thankful for folks just like Jim and Teresa Clark who serve here looking to honor you and all they do and all they say. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to use athletics as a vehicle uh, to really represent your love to, the, to those around us, whether that be our opposing teams, folks we, uh, we travel with, Lord, those we meet in restaurants, Lord, we're, we have the opportunity to impact so many uh, lives as, as we do this thing called athletics. And I'm, I'm, thank you, I'm thankful for the student athletes who represent you so very well. Lord, thank you for two lives well-lived in Jim and Teresa. Lord, the, just the encouragement they are to everyone in our athletic department, 
Um, just Lord, as they, as they move off into retirement, just continue to bless them, allow them to spend some time with their grandbabies and just invest in their lives as well. Lord, allow us to continue to represent you. You are awesome, you are good, you are faithful and we can trust you. Lord, we love you and we need you. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.